You can open up in your Bibles. We will begin over Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. There was an article where a pastor told of a woman who fainted during one of his Sunday messages. When she fainted, she fell and she hit her head on the pew. And she got pretty badly hurt. So one of the ushers called for an ambulance and the ambulance came and brought the stretcher in and put her on the stretcher. And as they had her on the stretcher and she kind of reached out, she called for her daughter who was in the church. And the daughter came over to see what words her mom had for her. And her, her mom said to her, just kind of pulled her close and whispered in her ear, says, my offering's in my purse. She was so concerned making sure that her offering got put in. That's a person who has a, a desire to give. Even on her way to the hospital. She's going to make sure somebody knows where her offering was. We're talking about desiring today. And desiring to be faithful. So we've been on this series of, of faithfulness. One of the principles we went over in the last couple of weeks and tried to re-emphasize with you is that what you do, you do for God. What you do for God, you do to others. What I do, we put it to you actually this way, what I do for God, I do for God. What I do for God, I do for others. Do it for God, but do it to others. Do it for God, do it to others. It's important that we understand that because how other people respond to us and how people go about doing things, the receptiveness of people, things like that, can hinder us in our desire to be faithful. Last three weeks, we looked at some aspects of hindrances. The first thing we looked at was the people. People sometimes can be a hindrance to us. Things can be a hindrance to us. And last week, we looked at places. That sometimes the place where we're at in our spiritual walk, the place where we're at physically, that these can be a hindrance to us. And we've got to make sure that we overcome hindrances in our lives, that they don't overcome us. We have not been born into this earth, born of the Spirit of God, born with the power of Jesus Christ in us, born with the Holy Spirit residing on the inside of us to succumb to people, places, or things. They are all created beings or created things or created objects. And a created object by the Creator should never stop the Creator from doing what He wants in your life. Don't let that happen. If you look at desiring to be faithful, we want to go back to a scripture we had started with way back and just review some things from it. Over in Matthew chapter 6, Verse 19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So we talk here about desiring to be faithful. Most of us have a desire to be faithful. We learn from the Word of God over in Proverbs, that everyone thinks that they're faithful, everyone thinks that they're right, but God sees only a few that are. So by God's definition, we need to change our faithfulness. We've got to get it in line with His. I looked up the word desire and found this to, in its definition. Desire is a longing or craving as for something that brings satisfaction or enjoyment. A desire for fame, an expressed wish, request, something desired. It is a good thing to desire to be faithful, isn't it? Word of God says it's a good thing to desire a, a wife. 
There's a lot of good things. It's good to desire the spiritual gifts. There's a lot of things in the Word of God that it says are good to desire. And we should desire them. But how far will a strong desire get you? Over in Luke chapter 16, verse 21, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Speaking of, of Lazarus, he was desiring to be fed by the crumbs. Is Lazarus desired to be fed by the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table enough to get it for him? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 2, For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. Is desiring to be clothed with that habitation good enough to get that for you? Don't some other things have to happen? 1 Timothy 1.7, Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor things which they affirm. They desire to be teachers, but are they? Is desire enough? Hebrews 13.18, Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. Is the desire to live honorably enough to get you there? You'll know that from your own life. Or maybe just watching other people. <laughs> but desiring to live honorably, that doesn't make it happen in your life. There's got to be more to it. Desire alone won't get us there. Desire is the start, but it is not the path. Desire will get you to the start gate. Let desire get you to the start gate, but don't expect desire to carry you all the way on through. I put this in your outline too. Desire keeps me going, but doesn't get me there. If you desire the end result, you'll keep going, but it's not desire that moves you on. There's got to be something on the inside of you that moves you into action. You must have actions with your desire. The Word of God says that faith without works is dead. Well, folks, with desire without works, what good is that? If you have all the desire in the world to become this and become that and do this for God and be faithful and be, be honorable and all that sort of thing, does it get you there? In 1 Corinthians 12, 31, but earnestly desire the best gifts. But earnestly desire the best gifts. How many of you have desired the gifts of the Spirit and the better gifts? How, how's that done for you? Is that all that you need? 1 Corinthians 14.1 Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So we're told to desire it. Desiring is a good thing. In verse 39, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. But there's a whole lot of folks out there who desire to prophesy, who desire to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. But that's not quite enough, is it? There's some other things that have to go along with it. We need more than just desire if we want to become faithful to God. Just because I desire to be faithful doesn't mean I will be. It's good. To, that's a good start. I get you to the starting block anyway. This should increase your compassion. It's this truth right here. That just because I desire to be faithful doesn't mean I will be. If you fully understand that truth, if you take that truth, put it in, in your block and meditate on it, this should increase your compassion toward others as their actions don't always tell us their desires. How many times have you seen somebody, you've interacted with someone, and they have not been altogether faithful? They have not been altogether good. They have been not altogether what you expected them to be, what you wanted them to be. And how many times have we been in this position to judge their desire? I don't think they want to be faithful. I don't think they want to be good. I don't think they, don't we have that? Isn't that a problem? Don't you feel that tug to begin to, to judge their desire? But you know in your own life that your actions do not always line up with your desires. 
So you should have more compassion for other people whose actions are not lining up with their desires. It's assumed that their desires are still there and that their desires are still good. Don't assume a person's desires are bad unless, of course, they tell you, well, I don't want that. Well, then you know. Then you know what their desires are. But if you don't know, if they don't tell you, don't assume that they're wrong. Don't assume that they're bad. Here's where I want to spend a lot of, ch- lot of time. Turn over to Mark chapter 4. You know this Scripture very well. Mark chapter 4. We're not going to cover the, the telling of the parable, just the interpretation of it here. In verse 13, Jesus is explaining the sower, the parable of the sower. And He said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the Word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the Word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the Word that was sown in their hearts. Satan comes immediately and takes away the Word that was sown in their hearts. We'll come back to that in a moment. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the Word immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the Word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the Word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in, choking the Word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the Word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Take a look at this first group here. This first group, they had the Word sown in them. Did they have a desire for the Word? Well, we can't really tell. We'll have to say that probably they did. They were in a place where the Word was taught. They were in a place to receive the Word. Somehow the Word was given and they put themselves in that place whether accidentally or on purpose. If we assume it was on purpose then we can say they had some kind of desire to have the Word. And so the Word comes into them but immediately something happens. Satan comes and takes away the Word that was sown in their hearts. So immediately this first group immediately as soon as they get it he comes. How does Satan come and take the Word out of your heart? He begins to tell you something is not right. When you first learned that Jesus Christ healed, what did Satan want to come and do? Not today. Not anymore. Not for everyone. Doesn't he come and begin to try and take that seat away? And I'm not meditating on that anymore? When we first got it, I was raised in a Baptist church. We didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. When I first got around people with the gifts of the Spirit, I thought they were all nuts. What in the world are they doing in church like this? Carrying on like that. Having all that sort of stuff go on. Who do they think they are? And when you first see that, you, you can sometimes reject the anointing that's on it and just follow after. The, let Satan steal that thing out of you. Take it away. We saw last week we looked, as we looked at Abraham. The Word of God came to him and said, Go on down to where? Egypt, Canaan, no, it wasn't Egypt, it wasn't Canaan. And so he gets over to Canaan and he finds famine, so he goes to Egypt. Why? Well, the word was sown in him, wasn't it? Go on down to Canaan, and as soon as he gets there, what happens? That word gets stolen. And he goes down someplace else. Nothing good happened down there in Egypt. All we have is a bad story, and then he gets thrown out of there and he comes on back. This is the first group. Now, don't just think that these are people that become unsaved. He didn't say that they sowed salvation. He said they sowed the Word. You could be a Christian for 10 years, 5 years, 1 year, 20 years, don't matter. This Scripture can still apply to you. 
Because all of a sudden, here comes new word. How many of you ever had new word sown in you? I hope you all have. If you had all the words sown in you that's ever going to be sown, dear Lord, hanging up, going up to heaven now. But more word is going to be sown in you. God's looking for fertile soil. And all of a sudden you find out this or you, you're studying the Word in your own and you see truths tied together. You see Scriptures enlightened and the Word is sown. Oh, I see that. Oh, yes, I can believe that. And then all of a sudden, here comes the devil. Not, of course, him personally, but others uh, in his group. And they come on over and they try and steal that Word out. Is God really going to take care of you? Yes, yeah, sure, God has blessings for you in 2009, but... This is the year of recession. This is the year of high gas prices. How many of you, when the gas prices went up to four dollars, four fifty, began to let some word be stolen from you? Yeah. Food prices start going up. How many let some word be stolen from you? Elections don't quite go the way you want. Somebody gets somebody comes in, steals the word from you. Isn't that right? Well, I thought God. Well, I I was expect. Well, this. Stop letting somebody come in and steal word. That's the first way. This is the first group. As soon as they get it. Now, he's got to get it right away because if he doesn't get it right away, it's going to take root. So he's got to get somehow to sow doubt, sow this and sow that. You ever been in a church service? Had a pain, came in there expecting God to heal you. You had hands laid on you, you got healed. You went on back, oh, I feel good. The next day you wake up, oh, what is that doing? Ah, I feel that. And what's he doing? He's immediately trying to steal away what you got. And so you begin to meditate on that and think on that and go on that. You must refuse to let the Word be stolen from you. No one else can guard it but you. You must guard it. You must guard it. We get into the cold weather. How many people have told you over the last month or two, well, that cold's going around. You'll probably get it soon. I had it this week. Yours is probably coming. People tell you that? I get bold with some of them say, I'm not getting it. I'm not getting it. Why, are you, why can you say that? Because I walk about by, I'm healed. Well, I can't say that to everybody. How come? If you don't tell it to them, who is? I remember one story Brother Hagin used to tell us about. Lady used to come up to him and said, You shouldn't ought to say that so loud. He says, Why not? He says, He'll hear you. Who? The devil. He says, Well, he's the very one I'm saying it for. <laughs> you gotta make sure you stand up against that. Don't you just give into it. Now we'll give you a little little taste of some things we have down the road. I don't know if it's the next series coming up or, or down the road from, from that, but uh, you need it probably now because you're all facing some stuff and facing some sickness and some things can come against you. When was the last time you saw me sick? Now, that doesn't mean you I've never felt sick. There's times I woke up, felt something in my throat. There's times I woke up, felt something in my nose or in my head or something like that. I just take care of it right away. And then when I go for there, don't think that I just don't battle with it anymore. I understand sometimes I face things and it starts to drain my energy. You know what I do? Now, this is the way I go at it. You do it all your way. This is the way I go. I don't give in to it. I'm not laying down. I'm getting up. In fact, I'm going to work harder just to mess with you. I'm healed. See, if I'm healed, I have to walk around like a healed person. 
Not walking around like one who wants to become healed. If I'm a healed person, I walk around like a healed person. I don't go around telling everybody about it. Well, I don't know. I was feeling poorly this morning, but we'll see how it goes. I don't do that. And when I start to feel a little something come on back, I don't let someone steal my word. I stand up against it. I am not giving in to sickness and disease. I don't have to. I have authority over sickness and disease. Not because of what I've done, because of what Jesus has done. Not because I'm righteous, not because I'm so good, but because He is. Therefore, I walk in this life free of sickness and disease and I'm not giving into it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna feel that way. I'm not gonna give into it that way. I'm standing on the ground of the Word of God. And I'll come after it. You can do the same thing. Don't give into it. Don't let the Word be stolen. But that's the first group. First group, they let it be stolen. Let's go over to the next one. The first group is not guarding what was sown. You gotta guard what was sown in you. If you go back to the Word of God and say, I'm going to look at the verses of Scripture on healing. And you look at the verses of Scripture on healing and you see stuff that's in there and you meditate on that again. Don't let that be stolen from you. That's yours. Hang on to it. Do not give in. Well, let's go on to the second group. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. When they hear the Word immediately, receive it with gladness. And they have no root in them in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Well, we have one group where the Satan comes and steals. We have another group where it starts to get in there a little bit. He doesn't steal it right away. But then persecutions and things like that, they come along. What's wrong with them? They have no endurance. When the, when the sun beats down on them, when hard times come against them, when things are, uh, that they're facing, they have no endurance. The second group, they're not enduring. They're not enduring. Let's read over these again. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So we got three groups we looked at. The first one is not guarding. The word was stolen. The second one is not enduring. They haven't let that word sink down to establish roots in them. How many of you know that sometime last year you heard a really good message? How many of you can remember what it is? If you can't, but you know you heard one. Oh, I know I heard something. You know why? Because you didn't let it root all the way down on the inside of you. You let it take root all the way down on the inside. There are some things, folks, I cut my teeth on. Boy, they really helped me out. But in order for them to really get into me, and they still carry me through, I still meditate on it. I, I told you before, I've listened to some of these tapes. I would listen to one tape, five, six. This one series I'm thinking of, it was a four-tape series. I listened to the first tape five, six, seven times. I got so that I wanted to get everything out of it and some parts of it I actually transcribed by hand, wrote it down so that I could meditate over it and get it all in. And then I go on to the second tape. And then I went on to the third tape. Did the same thing. And then went on to the fourth tape. I don't know how many weeks or months I spent on those four things, but I got them down so much on the inside of me that they could not be taken out. They were firmly rooted, firmly entrenched. 
And no one was going to steal it. And the cares of this world were not going to choke it out. The sun was not going to dry it up. They were going to make sure that they, they got that in. The only way that you can make sure that word that you get is, is established in you is if you meditate it over and over again. Go over it over over and over. You go back to that scripture. You learn something out of Matthew chapter 10, you go back to Matthew chapter 10. Read it again. You learn something out of Ephesians chapter 5, you go back to it. Read over it again. Read over it again. Read over it again. I'm going to get this down on the inside of me. And on the inside of you, you say, I already know this. Tough. Get it down on the inside. How many of you have plants in your home? How many of you watered them sometime this week? How come? You watered them the week before, didn't you? Didn't you water them the week before that? Why'd you water it again? Because it continually needs it. If you want the Word to take root in your life, you must continually water it. Don't just hear it one time and, well, that's it. I got that one down. Let's move on. Keep going over it. Keep meditating on it. Keep pulling more things. Let the Spirit of God come in there. Learn, teach you more things. But at least water what you got. At least keep that refreshed. So the second group is not enduring what comes against the Word in them. When you get the Word inside of you, when you get the Word inside of you, not a fake Word, when you get the Word inside of you, stuff will come against that Word. Because it wants to attack it. The sun wants to scorch it. It wants to dry it up. It wants to get it out of your life. Because if that Word continues to grow, it is trouble for Satan's kingdom. He must try and get that out. If he can't steal it, then he's going to come in here and try and and make it so it doesn't endure. Then the third group. Let's read over that Scripture again. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. Verse 18. They are the ones who hear the Word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. Enter in. Choke the Word. And it becomes unfruitful. If the Word of God says, if Jesus says here, it becomes unfruitful. Does not that infer that it was at one time fruitful? So you are taking word that was sown into your life. It brought forth fruit and still it could be attacked, choked out. Now this one can't be dried up the same way that the other ones could. It couldn't be stolen. So what it has to do here is distract you. Find other things. The cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things. Enter in and choke the Word. Chokes it. The Word's already producing in your life. It's already doing something. This third group is not sustaining the Word in them. So we got guarding, enduring, and sustaining. you got to make sure that when the Word of God comes in you, you guard it, you get it so that it can endure, and you sustain it. You keep that Word going on. Now here's something I want you to take a look at. We had the first group, Satan came and stole the Word. The second group, the, they sent things against it to scorch it, to dry it up. The third group, they sent other things in to choke it out. The desire for other things and so forth. And then we had the fourth group, and this is the fourth group, and they got blessed. This one went on, they, they heard, it became fruitful and all that. Did the same sun shine down on all four grounds? Did the same thief come to all four soils? He sure did. Did the same cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, 
and desire of other things come against all four. But he only focuses on the one that they gave into. That each group gave into. Because that's the only one that matters. So the group that had this fourth group faced all of the previous three things. But they overcame them. Don't get the idea that this fourth group didn't get the Word of God. Didn't No one had tried to steal the Word from them. The sun didn't try and dry it up. The desire for other things didn't come in their way. They just didn't take it. They just didn't swallow it. They didn't go after it. Well, the cares of this world, they're not going to get a hold of me. I'm going to I'm going to keep that out. Oh, yeah? The gas prices throw you? When you hear about the news reports and Israel's moving in on Gaza, does that throw you? Does that mess with you? When you hear something the Congress wants to do? What does that do for you? Is that getting you caught up in the cares of this world? When you hear a storm's coming, when you hear a freeze has hit Florida and California and produce is being affected, What's that do for you? Is that the cares of this world? When you hear about your company laying people off, is that the cares of this world? So what's he saying? You give in to those things, you're going to fall into the third group. You were producing. It was having fruit. Now it's not. You let it get all choked out. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, bear fruit, some thirty, sixty, and a hundred word, hundredfold. These are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear, accept, and bear fruit. They hear the word, they accept it, they don't reject it through unbelief, they accept it, and they bear fruit. What do you think the fruit is the same? Well, he answers that question for you right in the Scripture there, doesn't he? Some 30, some 60, some 100. Is the fruit the same? There's a difference in fruit. The seed was the same. The elements that came around them were the same. But the fruit was different. So how do we become a better fruit producer? Remember, we're looking at how to become desiring. How to desire to be faithful. How to have that have an effect on your life. In John chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine. John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. How many like that pruning process? Isn't that fun? You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. If you are going to bear fruit, do you bear fruit by desiring to? 
Do you bear fruit by effort? How do you bear fruit? By being attached to the vine. There's only one way that you can become a fruit producer. And that is become attached to the vine. Now the parable he gave us before, he talked about good fruit and bad fruit. But if you're going to be attached to the vine, what kind of fruit are you going to produce? Now if you have a, a, a trees or a vineyard or whatever it might be that you might have, and what you are growing is producing bad stuff, what are you going to do with it? Well, let's get rid of it. Didn't Jesus tell, talk about a parable? A tree you didn't produce? They're going to cut it out. They said, hold on a minute, let's give it another shot. Let's try again. And it's the role of an intercessor. But you've got to be attached. If you want to bear fruit, you must be attached to the vine. You must be attached to the vine. Now, we already filled this one out for you. The forces that come against each group come against all. All. Now, going back over here to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to tie in some things here from what we just read over here in John. Matthew chapter 7. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their... You will know them by their... Which would mean if they're attached to the vine, they're producing good fruit, God's kind of fruit. If they're not, they're producing something else. You will know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes? Or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. You will know them. It is the fruit that's important. Good trees and bad trees are known by their fruit. Bad trees produce bad fruit or no fruit. Either, either one of those. Bad trees produce bad fruit. Fruit comes from what you are attached to. Right? Fruit comes from what you are attached to. If you are attached to the vine, you are producing good fruit. If you are not attached to the vine, you are not producing it. Is Here's the, here's the big one. Is faithfulness a fruit? Is faithfulness a fruit? Does God reward it? Is it part of the nature of God? Is it something that God looks for? Is faithfulness something that distinguishes something good from something bad? Then is faithfulness a fruit? then if you want to produce more faithfulness, it's not the desire that you need, it is the attachment to the vine. The more attached you get, the more you keep yourself tied in, the more that you have that flow going from the Holy Spirit to the throne room of God to you, the more you have that going, the more you will produce faithfulness. You cannot produce faithfulness on desire alone. Nor can you produce faithfulness on effort alone. Because you will reach the end of your effort. And you will become unfaithful at some point. Some folks have more effort they can give and produce more faithfulness that way. But it's not what he's looking for. 
So if faithfulness is a fruit, we grow in it, don't we? We don't just get born again and all of a sudden there's fruit on our vine, on our branch. We become attached and fruit begins to appear. And it's small and it begins to grow and it develops. We grow in it. Put this in your outline. Why don't we all walk in all the fruit of the Spirit when we become attached to the vine? Why don't we all just... If you become attached to the vine, why are you not producing all of the fruit of the Spirit? Go back over to Matthew chapter 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. How do you lay up treasures on earth? You produce treasures on earth by doing things for people. You lay up treasures in heaven by doing things for God. As long as you do things for people, you lay up treasures on earth. What happens to those? They get corrupted. As long as you do the things you do for God, you lay up treasures in heaven. Now, it's imperative that we lay up some treasures in heaven. Where your treasure is, there where your heart be also. Let's look at it this way. We, we know the list of the fruits of the Spirit. Go over to Galatians. You can look at all the fruits of the Spirit. How many gifts of the Spirit are there? Why is it that it seems that Christians, as soon as they get born again, do not flow in all the gifts and all the fruits? In fact, a lot of Christians live and die haven't, haven't tapped into certain gifts. You'd say that certain fruits aren't, aren't there. Why is that the possibility? Why is it that, that one brother can flow in this and another one doesn't? Why is it brother Kevin can flow in some things that I don't flow in and I can flow in some things that he doesn't flow in? Aren't we attached to the same vine? If we are attached to the same vine, why is it that I can't access the same things that he does? Did you ever ask yourself that question? How come this brother, sister, walks in this and I don't? Wouldn't you, like to have an, wouldn't you like to know what the Word of God has to say about Why is it that that's going on? It seems unfair, doesn't it? This one over here is walking in this. I'm not walking in that. This one seems to walk in all kinds of revelation and knowledge. And I look at the Word of God and I think, huh? This one seems to enter into the throne room and pray five words and get an answer. And I get in there. I'm in there for an hour. I got nothing. Why is that? What does he say at the end of this verse? For where you're... Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, it's going to take a little bit of explaining to do, but here's the, here's the rest of the, what you need to fill in. Why don't we all walk in all the fruit of the Spirit when we become attached to the vine? Because the treasure isn't ours yet. The treasure isn't ours yet. Now, I already filled this part of it out for you. Being faithful to me produces treasure on earth. Being faithful to God produces treasure in heaven. What I have to do is get my treasure over to the other side. When I have my treasure in heaven, those are things that moth and moth rust, all that stuff won't corrupt. The gifts of the Spirit 
Where do they come from? Do they come from earth or heaven? The fruit of the Spirit. Where does it come from? Does it come from earth? Does it come from heaven? The love of God. Where does the love of God come from? Does it come from earth? Or does it come from heaven? Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father. Below? Above. Comes. These things come down to us. So why is it that one person can access one gift easily? And it's not because they're all that righteous. If you can see some uh, brothers and sisters in the history been written about. They had all kinds of flesh issues. Still tapping into gifts of healing, power, faith, and all sorts of stuff. How come they can still do it? Because it's among their treasures. It's among their treasures. I'll try to put it to you this way. How many of you, when you saw the fruits of the Spirit, endeavored to have that work in your life? Patience, long-suffering, faithfulness, all the things that were listed in there. Oh, I need to, this needs to be in, oh, this needs to be in my life. I need to have this going on. Patience, yeah, I need to have patience. Mm-hmm. Love, mm-hmm. yeah, I need to have love. Faithfulness, yeah, I need to have that. And you list all the different things that are in there. Long-suffering, yeah, I need to have more of that. I'm not that long-suffering. And so we endeavor to get out there and to become as long-suffering as we come. In fact, that horrible doctrine came up. I still hear it in Christian people today. They kill. I prayed for patience and had all sorts of trouble follow me after that. That is the biggest load of garbage dumped in your life and a lot of you folks still believe it. Get rid of that thought. Every bad and imperfect gift comes from above is what you're reading. Isn't that right? I thought the Bible said every good and every perfect gift came from above. So why is it that you're saying that, well, I need to grow in patience. I prayed to God would have me grow in patience and I got all kinds of trouble. I mean, the, the, this happened and the car broke down and the roof leaked and the, and all this. And I'm just in there being patient. What happened? The devil stole the word from you. And you didn't even know it. He replaced it with something completely different. Are you storing up treasures for yourself in heaven? No. So there's nothing for you to draw on. Because you've allowed wrong doctrine to come in. And someone to come in and steal something from you. We have always thought that patience is produced by enduring hard times. Patience, folks, is not not produced by enduring hard times. Patience is produced by living life according to the Word. Love is produced by living life according to the Word. Love is being obedient to do what the Word of God says when you don't feel like it. That's how you produce love. How do you produce patience? You trust God when everything seems to be falling apart or whether things are going fine. You trust God. But as long as you have the mentality that I must produce this inside of myself, you will not step over into the area of laying treasures up in heaven. You are laying treasures on this earth instead. And when you need to make that draw, you have a problem. I put this here at the end of your outline. Let me skip over to it. Walking in the fruits of the Spirit is tapping into the treasures 
of heaven while residing on earth. Walking in the fruits of the Spirit is tapping into the treasures of heaven while residing on earth. Where does the patience of God come from? From God. From heaven. Where does endurance come from? Where does godly faithfulness come from? That's the only place it comes from. If I want this to go on in my life, I must have His nature become a part of me. Is that not the same thing as having a branch tied into the vine so that the nature of the vine, the life of the vine, flows into the branch and the branch produces what is of the vine? You are called to produce what is of the vine, not what is of the branch. If you want to become more faithful, get more tied in to God. If you want to have more patience, get more tied in to God. If you want to have more love, get more tied in to God. Get that bond between you and God so strong. It won't happen with, with you guys who want to just, well, I'll meditate on things of God on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and then Sunday morning. That won't happen that way. You gotta, it's gotta be a walk. You gotta be constantly attached to the vine. You gotta walk with God. Everything that comes out of your mouth ought to be something that comes from, everything that comes out of your mouth ought to be something from God. When you speak to your wife, when you speak to your kids, when you speak to your dog, <laughs> we don't have those, so I don't have that problem. <laughs> when you speak to your house, and you all do, when you speak to your car, you bucket of bolts, right? Are we speaking the, the words of God? Are we letting the nature of God come through us? No, because you are a part-time nature of God. You will take on the nature of God when you feel like it calls for it. But the rest of the time, you are apart from it. And that is why you're not building treasures up in heaven. That's why there's nothing for you to access there. That's why there is not living God's life down here on this earth. Because you are not fully and totally attached to that. You continually sever it and say words out of your flesh. And speak things out of your flesh. And say things that are not based on the love of God. Things that are not based on the Word of God. You take time off. You can't take time off. I walk with God is a commitment. When you all got married, did you get married 99% of the time? How many of you spouses will be happy with your, with your spouse if they are married to you 99% of the time? The other, 90, the other 1%, they can do whatever they want to. That's not... You got 100%, didn't you? Isn't that what you went into for it? Into it for? 100%? then why are we going on saying we're in covenant with God and we give Him 50%, 30%, 20 10 I'm on good behavior, say loving things 10% of the time. You've got to let the nature of God come in and overtake you. What you do for God establishes things in heaven for you. What you do for people, for the purpose of people, Give you riches down here on this earth. 
And when you need to draw off that nature of God, it's not there for you to draw off on. You've got to sow to it. You've got to keep walking in it. You've got to keep going. I've got to be mindful of God all the time. I've got to be thinking about God all the time. When you hit your hand with the hammer, what comes out? That will tell you whether you're 100% attached yet. You need to be 100% attached. If you want to have these things going on in your life, you've got to be 100% attached. You want faithfulness, folks? You don't have to put the effort out as much as you need to just be tied into the, to the vine. Just tie yourself into the vine. Get yourself, get those juices flowing from the vine to you. Just keep being infused with the love of God, with faithfulness, with endurance, with patience, with long-suffering. All these things just coming in and you worked so hard to produce them before, now all of a sudden they're just part of your nature. How many of you have certain character, characteristics, certain traits about you that you have resolved that are just personality defects? It is just an area that you have blocked the Spirit of God from turning around. Stop hiding behind that anymore. The Spirit of God can turn around anything and anyone. He can stop you from having this problem or going after this or having these. He can turn it all around. But you've got to work on being attached to the vine. You've got to put the treasures up there in heaven. Glory to God, folks. You can access the treasures of God that you have in heaven here on this earth and bless other people with them. The people who walk in gift of prophecy, do they not tap into the treasures that are in heaven and then bring them down here to, to you? The people who walk in the gift of faith and the gift of healing, are they not tapping into the throne room of heaven and the treasures that are there and bringing them down here to you? Store up treasures. It's imperative that we store up treasures. One more thing I have to fill out in your outline. Faithfulness is a hard attitude that results in a pattern of actions. Faithfulness is a hard attitude that results in a pattern of actions. The reason you don't have the pattern of actions you want yet is because the hard attitude isn't quite there. You may desire it to be there, and that's good because that will get you to the start. If you don't desire, there's a lot of folks who do not desire that thing be there. If you don't have the desire for it to be there, you're not even going to get the starting block. Desire will get you to the start. But there's some other things that have to go on in your life to carry that through. Being faithful to me produces treasures on earth. Being faithful to God produces treasures in heaven. Produce those treasures in heaven. Set yourself up an account. Treasures in heaven that you can draw on. Father God, I know how to tap into the gift of prophecy. I know how to tap into the gift of the working of miracles. Gift of faith. What did Peter and John say when they came up to the man at the gate? Silver and gold I don't have. In other words, read it this way. Treasures on earth where moth and rust does corrupt I do not have. But such as I do have treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot corrupt. That I do have. So that I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. But he had to be in possession of it, didn't he? We can be in possession 
of treasures in heaven for the purpose of blessing people on this earth to demonstrate the great love that God has for them. The great power of our God. He will demonstrate to all those that are around through you. Build up treasures in heaven. But understand, they're not just waiting for you up there. You tap into them down here. Some people have built up great treasures in the area of endurance. Some people have stored up great treasures in the area of patience. Great treasures in the area of love. And every time they need to draw off that, it's there for them and it comes right in. And they just seem to have love that you say, how can they love a person in that situation? Because they build up great treasure. How can they have patience? Look at what's coming against them. Look at all the cares of the world. Look at all this. How is it that it's not affected their seed? How is it that it's still growing? They have great treasure in heaven in that area. And you can build up treasures in heaven in any of those areas of the fruit of the Spirit. God's desire is that you grow in the gifts of the Spirit. And they're as He wills. We understand that. But I can grow in them. I can show my faithfulness in these areas. I can do what I need to do. Exercise those things. Faithfulness is a hard attitude that results in a pattern of actions. Get your heart right with God. Get that going with God. God, I need to be tied in with you all the time. I need to be continually conversing with you and talking with you and keeping that thing going. And every time something wants to come out of my mouth that is not edifying, that is not in line with the Word of God, every time my mind wants to wander off into some of these other things, every time i got to be mindful of you, pull myself back. You mean every time? Yeah, every time. That's so hard. Not when you become attached to the vine. How many of you have trees on your property? Do the branches have a hard time being attached all the time? They just are attached. It doesn't look like it's a whole lot of effort on their part. They are just attached. They're there. That's how you should be. Be attached to the vine. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us that we can be attached to the vine, we can be building up treasures in heaven that we can access here on earth, that the fruit of the Spirit works in our life, not because we determined that I'm going to be this way, but because that fruit begins to pr- come through us and produce. Oh, and it's just, it just grows because we're attached to the vine. And we see ourselves becoming more and more patient, more and more trusting, more and more enduring, more long-suffering, more walking in love. Not seeing so much of the things of the flesh anymore. They seem to be falling off. The bad fruit goes away. The good fruit is where we're going. Father, you said that a bad tree can't produce good fruit. But you had a way around that. You declared us dead when we became born again. The bad tree is dead. We can be made alive into the good one. Help us be mindful of being grafted into you. Tied into you. We are part of the vine. And our life source comes from you. Help us to get our focus off of people and keep it on you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.